This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal. Michael Neal and Associates has been consulting credit unions for nearly two decades. He and his team help companies with three aspects of growth, cultural development, leadership, and management development. To learn more about how Michael Neal and Associates can help your credit union grow, visit michaelneal.com. Producing this episode, I'm Chad Harrington. This is season one for the Credit Union Leadership Podcast, and it's called How to Create a Thriving Credit Union Culture. We're talking about outstanding internal service. Right. That title has this phrase, internal service, so what does that actually mean for a credit union? It's how we're serving each other. Um, One of the sayings that I have is, the service provided to the member is never going to be better than the service you provide to each other. You literally cannot outserve yourself. Uh, almost all the information that a frontline person will ever share with a member originally comes from a what I call support area. Uh, example, uh, training, marketing, collections, accounting. They tell people what they can do, what they can't do, and how they can do it. And so to the degree that that information they share is accurate, timely, and very importantly, respectfully given, is going to be the same degree to which each of those ways that we deliver service are going to be delivered to the external member, as I call it. Right. And what's the overall goal at a credit union for having outstanding internal service? That there is no difference in the level of expectation in behavior and responsiveness and attentiveness between the support areas and the frontline areas. Example would be, I expect high levels of attentiveness, responsiveness, and courtesy from a branch employee to my members. I should have that same expectation from an accounting person to a branch manager or someone in the marketing department to a member service representative so that there's no difference in expectation and no difference in performance. So what separates outstanding internal service from just average internal service? It's really the things that separate outstanding service period uh, to our members. And, and really it's the same things that make it special for our internal service. You know, when you think about how we treat our members, They expect us to be fast. They expect us to be accurate. They expect us to be friendly, right? But what really impresses people is the passion in what somebody's doing and the little extra personal flair or touch they put on things. Same things with internal service. Uh, Rather than just answering the question and uh, giving the right answer and doing it in a timely manner and not being rude is something like, hey, is there anything else I can do for you? Okay, well, thanks for calling. I'm happy to help. That simple two or three sentences are exactly what you expect or hope for with a frontline employee. But unfortunately, we have this different expectation all too often in our support areas that that's not an expectation and it absolutely should be. Because as I said, the service you provide to the members is never going to be better than the service you provide to each other. And in fact, the sad truth is There are certain individuals, 
within a credit union that make it really clear, don't call me. You are not welcome to call me. I'm busy answering your questions, not my job. And therefore, they cut themselves off from those questions. And so now you're missing a resource. Sometimes the most knowledgeable people I have found are some of the ones who respond in that way, leaving us to have to contact less knowledgeable people who are more willing to help. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily a benefit, right? Somebody that might get the answer right half the time uh, who's willing to accept the call isn't necessarily an advantage. And so our best and brightest and most knowledgeable on the internal service side, we have to have that same expectation that they're going to have to be willing to serve their internal members as well because it always impacts our level of external service to our account holders. Right. If you're if you're treating people terrible on the outside, what's going to change to make you treat people that are closer to you even better, you know? A lot of people let their guard down with family mm. because they're closer to them. Mm. You know, it seems like it's the same principle. That's a great point, Chad. A great point. Um, we would never expect to see a frontline employee exhibit some of the behaviors with an account holder as some of the behaviors that I see on the internal service side. In fact, I would say this. If... Some of the behaviors I've seen on the internal service side were exhibited by a drive-through teller to a member. We would fire that drive-through teller on the spot. And then when it's somebody in a support area, you'll hear things like, "Well, that's just Jim. That's just Sally. Don't worry about her. She doesn't mean anything by it. Uh, they're they're just busy right now." Uh, this is a tough time of the month in that department and they're just get agitated when they get interrupted. We would never say that about the teller. Well, you know, she's just tired of running transactions. She's had a long day. <laughs> it's been busy. That's why she snapped at you. <laughs> we would never do that. Yeah. So uh, it is amazing the way we look at it as if they're not interconnected. But as we found in our work with credit unions, they absolutely are. So Mike, what's an example of a credit union that has developed into this kind of excellent internal service company culture? Well, we've worked with over 300 credit unions, so there's lots of them. Uh, I'll just uh, pick one. And uh, uh, TBA Credit Union in Michigan. And they really bought into this idea of outstanding internal service. And it began to resonate early in our ServiceStar work with them, ServiceStar being our member experience building program. And so as a part of that, we, we work extensively in the support areas, as we do in the frontline areas, on developing an understanding of service behaviors that are expected, establishing behavioral standards for internal service, measuring internal service, right? So an internal service survey to measure what you expect. My name is Karen Brown. I am the CEO of TBA Credit Union in Traverse City, Michigan. Karen, how did Mike Neal and Associates conduct the internal service survey with TBA Credit Union? Well, the internal service survey is ongoing, and so we implemented it through Mike based on his recommendations according to our service standards. And our service standards... Typically, we've focused on 
them being for our members and how we treat our members. And Mike showed us um, that we should be doing that internally as well. So we hold our staff now accountable to those same service standards when they're dealing with internal staff. And Mike helped us design um, internal behaviors um, around that as well, standards and set expectations. And then with his help, we continue to coach and encourage staff to use some internal service survey software and take the time to rate staff and how they service to them. So, of course, this, you know, ultimately comes down to a leadership issue, uh, especially when you're either maintaining or creating kind of new standards for internal services. So, as the CEO and president of TBA Credit Union, how do you communicate clearly with your management about the standards you have for internal service? Um, I meet weekly with my leadership team, and we always on our agenda, we are talking about um, our service standards and how they're doing coaching. And um, I ask them every week, tell me what staff you caught doing something right. And everyone has to tell a story of, um, you know, I caught this person doing it right. They followed our service standards by doing this, and I commended them for that. So it's not just about seeing them do it. It's about telling them, um, thank you for following our service standards. And we point it out directly. Thank you for smiling at that member, using our service standards to call that member by name. Um, so we keep it very specific and continue to recognize them and keep that at the front of our agenda every week. Yeah. And Karen, what's the value for you in bringing Mike Neal and Associates on to really, you know, come from the outside and, and offer something to you? What's the value for you as the CEO? The value is just having someone outside come in and say to our staff what I've been saying all along, but they're hearing it from a different source. And sometimes that resonates with people more than hearing the same thing from me day in and day out. Somebody else comes in, um, especially with a personality like Mike's. They love him. They love his stories. Um, when he did our last President's Day training, uh, my staff, I received tons and tons of compliments on how, um, how much they enjoyed the day. That was Karen Brown, the CEO and president of TBA Credit Union in Traverse City, Michigan. We wanted to tell you a little bit more about the internal service survey that Karen mentioned. If you'd like to improve your credit union's internal service, you may want to have your team take the internal service survey from Michael Neal and Associates. The survey is taking stock of where you are currently as a credit union and where you need to go as a team. It helps you measure employee engagement, how easily departments get along with each other, and it even provides specific suggestions to improve your processes to make it easier to serve members and coworkers. To dominate on member experience, your credit union must have engaged employees, great teamwork, and efficient processes. The internal service survey will make the difference in good service and great member experience. Email Mike at michaelneal.com to request access to the full-length internal service survey demo. That's Mike at michaelneal.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-N-E-I-L-L.com. Now, in this episode, we've been talking about how Michael Neal and Associates came to TBA Credit Union to help them achieve great internal service. 
We interviewed Karen Brown to get her take on the experience, and now it's back to Mike on how he sees the progress of TBA as they took their internal service to the next level. Early, there was a lot of concern around the internal service survey. It was primarily driven by, okay, I'm going to be accountable for my behavior now. Now, it, it really wasn't explained that way. It was, well, what if people say things that aren't true? <laughs> well, what if they say things that are true? that you don't want to hear about yourself really is the bigger question. So there was a lot of fear around being held accountable for their internal service. And I would also say that there were some people who, and this they were the minority, no question. There were some people that uh, had developed some less than fully effective service skills on the internal side and felt like I could say things to people and, um, take tones with people, um, not respond in a timely manner to your questions because, hey, I'm doing you a favor by answering your question in the first place. The accounting department's not your 411, right? We're, we're here to make things balance. And so that was a little bit of an adjustment. But what I'll say is because the managers in these departments, through the great leadership of their CEO, decided they were going to go all in on this, it made the transition pretty swift and very, very effective, such that their internal service survey scores are outstanding. And they started pretty well, to tell you the truth, and but have developed over time because philosophically, you have to buy into that idea that I am a service person no matter what department I work in. And I may not be directly serving an account holder member, but I'm serving someone who is. And so they were a really great example. And as I said, the keys are leadership by the CEO who communicated very clearly to the VPs and department managers that we are going to take our internal service to the highest level, which then allowed the employees to understand, okay, they're totally into this. So then when the training occurred and we presented the behavioral standards and then we started measuring, people realized this is just the way of life now. And what we're able to do is, through the internal service survey, catch a lot of people doing it well. As you can imagine, in any group, most people are doing it right. So people think with the internal service survey, the first thing it's going to do is, you know, stop evildoers, right? The first thing it does is... It recognizes people who are doing it right. And now you can give examples of what great internal service looks like and also recognize the people who are doing it well. It also helps us to begin to identify what are the behaviors that are less than fully effective, like failure to do what you said you were going to do, um, failure to respond to somebody's request in a respectful and pleasant manner. And so organizationally, we're able to say, hey, these are the things we need to improve. And then the people that kind of were the stragglers that said, well, even though you said we need to improve on that, that means everybody but me, the results of the internal service survey come back and allow you to have the opportunity to sit down with that employee and say, so what are you going to do differently to be able to align with these behaviors? And of course, when they see it in black and white, well, okay. And then they make their changes. And now everybody's in concert. 
everybody's uh, giving great service. And now the chains and lines of communication between the front line and the support areas are open. And there's welcome communication. And now who benefits from that? The external member. Information is quicker, uh, more respectfully given, and um, a much more effective service experience for the members. It's creating alignment with the people internally, which makes a stronger core and a more united and stronger core gives you a really great front on the outside. And so people can pick up on that, especially especially when you get transfer. I, you know, I've never called uh, more than one credit union, although I did this week call my first credit union. But when I do ca- call other companies, you know, you can tell when someone's not happy about transferring you or receiving the transfer, you know, and that's just one aspect of customer service. So it's a great example uh, because if I take your call and I'm supposed to announce the call to the person I'm giving it to, but I don't because I'm busy. And so I just dump that call the next person and I answer the phone and you're going to start talking to me, Chad, like we've already had this conversation. And now you can pick up on the fact that I'm a little bit surprised that you're talking to me about this and it just creates a less effective experience for you, the member. So great example. Mike, as you look at your experience with consulting, you know, you said over 300 credit unions. What are the greatest challenges, you know, in credit unions like the TBA in Michigan? What are the greatest challenges in creating that internal service that is not just average, but like we're saying, outstanding? Uh, There's one that rises above all others, and it is leadership expectation. We had high leadership expectation at TBA, so therefore we were able to develop that internal service transition to the highest level very quickly. Unfortunately, that seems to be the exception rather than the norm. Most of the credit unions that I'm at, there is some executive level person who is willing to explain away one of their employees' behaviors by the fact that they're exceptional at something. And I call that effort equity, which they can be so smart or so talented or so experienced at this that the same rules that apply to everybody else don't apply to them. And, and again, senior management people are the only people that can delude themselves that way because everybody else looks and they don't say, oh, he's so exceptional. No wonder he gets to throw a stapler. They say, what about that guy? They're lucky to have me. So when you get these diminished behaviors, these people that have these diminished behaviors use the insulation of somebody else's more significantly bad behavior to keep them from redirecting themselves. So how would you advise a credit union leader kind of on any level, you know, from a CEO to a VP to just a a shift leader? How would you advise them to overcome these challenges about leader expectations? In other words, the challenge is setting expectations. So what's the solution? It starts with the CEO, starts with the president who grasps this concept and understands it and says to all of their direct reports, we're going to have employees that live out our core values regardless of what positions they're in. And you have to have an organization and leaders who are willing to coach and redirect behaviors. 
because we're talking about behaviors here. We're not talking about outcomes. I mean, you can produce a lot of work. You can be technically very proficient. And if the only thing that matters is your outcomes and your knowledge, then that fails to understand how organizations function. And so, and how organizations crumble, to be quite honest. They crumble from bad behaviors and that becomes pervasive. And then the people that really are talented won't work in environments like that. They're going to leave. So there's got to be a willingness to redirect behaviors. Here would be an example. I'm in a meeting and there is someone who is constantly being argumentative and in a way that is um, disrespectful. For example, Marge says to somebody's idea, I don't know why you would even bring that up. That's ridiculous. You know they're never going to do that. You're just wasting all of our time by talking about that. Now, one manager could say, well, that's just Marge. Don't read too much into that. She just reacts that way. When there's something that we've tried before and it didn't work and somebody new brings it up, it just flies all over her, you know, and, and she doesn't like to have her time wasted. She hates to be in meetings, and so she just does that. But, man, she really knows our system. Another manager who's effective would ask Marge to meet with him, and they would say something like this, Marge, you know, one of our core values is, is mutual respect. And in that meeting, you didn't live out that core value. When you said A, B, and C and did D, E, F, you weren't respectful. What are you going to do differently to make sure that your reaction to people when you hear something that you don't want to hear is respectful? What are you going to do to make sure that happens? And I'm willing to sit and have Marge tell me, well, I just get sick and tired. Okay, I understand that. But given the fact that you get sick and tired of hearing things, how are you going to treat people respectfully when they say things that you're sick of? Because that's non-negotiable. People are going to say things that set us off. People are going to say things that frustrate us. People are going to say things that are patently wrong. People are going to have questions, and we think they shouldn't have those questions. But if it's a core value, then it should be true in all circumstances, not just when you fail to irritate me. Right. You've got to organize your life, your own, even your own personality, let alone your corporate personality around the core values. You don't align the core values around your emotions, right? You know, and it's pretty basic, but managing that sounds like it's something that requires some, you know, attributes that aren't really teachable. So it kind of goes back to that hiring the right people mentality, especially, you know, the higher up someone is in an organization, the more they've got to be able to deal with those kinds of fires, so to speak, because, you know, they're going to have more people and the more people, the more emotions, mm -hmm. the more mistakes. So yeah. uh, it really sounds like it comes down to creating clear expectations like you've talked about many times and then enforcing those with grace and tact and then holding people accountable with action steps. What are you going to do? And I'm a big believer in catching people doing things right. So, you know, it, this isn't just about redirecting poor behavior. It's about recognizing good behaviors. So a different person in that same department that always displays a positive attitude and always says, hey, is there anything else I can do for you? Okay, well, I'm happy to do it if you need it. Tell them, I really appreciate the way you communicate your extra mile effort with your words. And you do that consistently. That's just part of who you are, and I appreciate that. And commend that person in a public way so that people understand, 
oh, that's what he's looking for. That's what he believes is good to do. And it's also being willing to redirect those ineffective behaviors. But so many coaches are afraid to redirect behaviors. And so when we only will redirect outcomes and not behaviors, then we create places where outcomes get produced, uh, behaviors aren't outstanding, and people who have a high moral view of what we will accept will go work other places where they can produce a lot of work and uh, very good work in places where people don't behave that way. Mike, is there anything else you want to add about outstanding internal service? I just think it's so critical. I believe it's the secret sauce in the member experience. It's the it's the thing that, you know, when you make a sauce, and you say, what is that in there? You know, I, I can't quite make it out, but it is, it, it makes it, you know, the chef doesn't necessarily want to reveal what it is, but in this case, hey, I'm doing that. It's internal service. And it's amazingly easy to develop and build, but it starts with a commitment at the top leadership first because it won't start from the bottom and work up. It has to start from the top and flow through the organization from there. You've been listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal. If you want Michael Neal and Associates to help you and your credit union develop a thriving credit union culture, visit michaelneal.com.